Containers and virtual machines are two ways of running virtualized infrastructure. Containers use less resources than VMs, and typically use the Run-C open source container runtime. Sysbox is a containerization runtime that allows an alternative to Run-C, and allows for the deployment of Docker or Kubernetes within a container. Caesar Tejedo is the founder of Nestybox, a company built around the Sysbox runtime. He joins the show to talk about container runtimes and his new company. Caesar, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. I want to start with a simple question. What is a container runtime? A container runtime is a piece of software that actually creates the container. It interacts with the underlying kernel to create the abstraction of the container. And why does the choice of container runtime matter? It matters because how you create a container makes a difference as far as how secure it is and what type of workloads can run inside of the container. So, you know, different container runtimes have different characteristics. There are not too many, by the way. And at Nestybox, we just developed one in which um, it enhances container security as well as enables containers to run more types of workloads, workloads that would typically run in a virtual machine, well, but would not normally run in a regular container. What's an example of such a workload? Examples would be workloads that have deep interactions with the underlying operating system, uh, what I call them system-level workloads. So regular containers, you know, when you launch a Docker container, they're very good at running applications, microservices. Those run seamlessly inside of those containers. But when you run other types of software that have deeper interactions with the underlying operating system, for example, things like Docker itself, systemd, Kubernetes, these type of workloads do not run easily inside of a regular container. So that's an example of what I call system-level workloads that uh, Nestybox now enables these type of workloads to run seamlessly inside of a container and with proper isolation. Why would I want to run Kubernetes inside of a container? Right. So that's a great question. And that's a question that I get often. You know, why would I want to run that type of workload inside of a container? And the answer is for the same reason that you run that type of workload inside of a virtual machine. What a virtual machine does, it takes your underlying machine, right, your physical hardware, and sort of splits it into multiple independent virtual host environments that you can then utilize for different purposes. The idea there being the, you know, increasing the utilization of the underlying physical machine. The containers have normally are used for a different purpose. They're normally used to run just application microservices. What Nestybox is doing is by enabling containers to run these type of workloads that run also in virtual machines, but do not run in regular containers. We're giving IT teams and, and users in general the ability to replace those virtual machines with containers and enjoy some of the properties of containers as far as the efficiency, the speed of provisioning them, and their superior portability. So the answer to the question is, for the same reason that you run those workloads in virtual machines, you would want to run them inside a container. We're creating containers that act as alternatives to virtual machines in many scenarios. Is there a hypervisor-like module in this picture? 
There isn't a hypervisor module because the technology that we use is a pure OS virtualization technology. There is no hardware level virtualization, which is what hypervisors do. What there is, there is a piece of software, a container runtime that we've created. It's called Sysbox. It runs below Docker and Kubernetes. It's a type of run C. And this is a piece of software that not only creates the container, but it is also listening to some of the operations that occur inside of the container to make sure that it, at all times it presents an abstraction inside of the container that resembles that of a physical host or a virtual machine. In other words, processes running inside of such a container cannot really tell the difference between a virtual machine, a container, or a, or a physical machine. And that is what it enables this type of container to run many of the same workloads that we run in virtual machines. But it is not a hypervisor. There is no hardware level virtualization whatsoever. And that makes Sixbox very different than many alternatives out there, which do rely in on, on alternatives such as Scatter Containers or Firecracker, which do rely on sort of wrapping around containers with virtual machines, with highly optimized virtual machines. The technology that we develop does not use virtual machines at all. It is pure OS level virtualization. Does this lead to better utilization? Correct. The idea of using pure OS level virtualization is that you avoid some of the overheads of virtual machines and you end up with higher efficiencies as well as faster provisioning times. As you know, with virtual machines, there's two things that are inevitable every time you have a virtual machine. One is that you're running a copy of a guest operating system. And second is that you are emulating hardware and software. And those two things are overhead to the virtual machine. They uh, make it less efficient. They increase the provision in time. And they tie to a particular hypervisor. So for example, if I deploy a VM on VMware, I cannot really use that same VM now on AWS, or if I provision a VM on AWS, it's sort of stuck at AWS. The VMs have a dependency of the on the underlying hypervisor. With these containers that, that Nestybox is now enabling, that almost act like virtual machines, but only use pure OS virtualization, they are more efficient because they do not carry a guest operating system and they do not emulate hardware and software. They provision much faster because there's no need to boot into an into a guest operating system. And they are more portable because they're not tied to a particular hypervisor. They're, they rely on Linux. So whatever Linux is running, you can always deploy these, these containers. So, so you work on Nestybox. And Nestybox, is it, should I think of it like a new Docker or like a new Kubernetes? Or like what's the analog here? Yeah. No, Nestybox... The company is a company that is at a high level developing solutions around OS virtualization and trying to push the limits of OS virtualization, right? In order to gain efficiencies, portability, as I mentioned before. Now, the, pro the first product that we've created is Sysbox. And Sysbox is a, what I call a low level container runtime, a type of run C. It sits logically below things like Docker and Kubernetes. It does not replace them in any way. It actually interacts with them. It enables Docker and Kubernetes to deploy these enhanced 
containers that have that are more secure than your regular Docker container on one hand, and on the other hand, can run many more workloads than Docker containers. They can run the system-level workloads that I described earlier and can do so seamlessly without any complex hacks. For example, what do I mean when I say that they're more secure? I mean that with Sysbox, containers always use a feature of the Linux kernel called the user namespace. And what that feature does, it ensures that the root user inside of the container is mapped to a fully unprivileged user at the host level. This is not the case with regular Docker containers. In those containers, the root user in the container is the root user at the host level. Although it runs inside of the container with a decreased set of capabilities and other features that sort of limit what it can do. Nonetheless, if it were to escape the container, it would find itself with permission to access many of the root files, root own files on the system. That is not the case with containers launched with Sysbox because they always use the user namespace. Therefore, a process escaping the container would find itself with no permissions whatsoever to access any files on the host system. So that's one aspect of, you know, that's why I say that containers with Sysbox are a layer of security. They're more secure than your regular Docker containers. That's on one hand. On the other hand, they can run system-level workloads seamlessly. And what I mean by that is you can deploy one of these containers using Docker Kubernetes, running them Docker Kubernetes or systemd or many other workloads that are slow, you know, that interact deeply with their underlying kernel, and they will work seamlessly. It is currently possible to run these same type of workloads without Sysbox. You can run them in regular Docker containers, but there's two big caveats. One of them is you need what is called a privileged container, privileged Docker container. That is a type of container that in essence has very weak isolation. It almost breaks the isolation between the container and the underlying host. It is a container in which the root user in the container has full privileges at the host level, full root privileges at the host level. So it offers very weak isolation. And number two, on top of running a privileged container, you would need to these very complex Docker images and Docker run commands and complex Docker entry points in order to set up the container in such a way that it can run the workloads that I mentioned. With Sysbox, all of that goes away. You're able to run the container more securely and it will run and, and you don't need any complex entry points or complex images. The underlying runtime is taking care of setting up the container in such a way that can run almost any type of workload that will run a virtual machine and do so seamlessly. Just to revisit the Kubernetes question, if I run Kubernetes in an instance of Nestybox, isn't that kind of defeating the purpose? Like Kubernetes, I want it to be like a distributed thing where it's like mm -hmm. fault tolerant and stuff. Why would I want this on a single box? Right. So there's two answers there, right? It's certainly very useful for testing scenarios on CICD right now. And the reason it's very useful in those things right now 
is that people are looking as part of their you know local testing or as part of their CI/CD pipelines. Developers are looking for a way of deploying, sort of quickly deploying Kubernetes clusters inside of which they can test the particular application. And using containers as a way of encapsulating those clusters, as opposed to using VMs or physical hardware, using containers is a much better alternative. So that's, that's as far as testing and CACD. Then, but to the to the gist of your question, right, as to why would I want to run Kubernetes inside of a container, doesn't that defeat the purpose? You know, if you think about it, where, where Kubernetes currently runs right now, it runs on virtual machines, typically, if you go to the cloud. And, you know, there are people that run them on bare metal. And, and But putting that aside, the bare metal side, if you look at the typical software stack, it is the hardware, the virtual machines, and then Kubernetes and Docker on top of that. What we're saying here is those virtual machines, you can replace them in many scenarios with these type of containers. Again, what that allows you to do is split your underlying hardware into multiple virtual host environments, just like VMs do. Now, when you want to deploy, when you deploy a Kubernetes cluster, right? Even if it's on typical on virtual machines, typically those virtual machines are sort of spread out across a number of physical servers, and the same thing can happen here, right? You could deploy the Kubernetes cluster inside of these virtual host environments backed by containers, and those containers could be spread out across multiple physical machines and interconnected. That's a scenario that as the, as the technology matures and people start trusting it more and see that it can run you know, almost like a VM, but it's much more efficient, I think that over time, people are going to say, start saying, OK, you know, here's a very good alternative to a virtual machine. And I can start running these Kubernetes workloads inside of those, uh, what I call, we call them system containers. right? They're like, instead of, the, of these system containers, and I can spread out the cluster across multiple physical machines as needed. I think I understand. So today's world, maybe I've got a physical host with a hypervisor and five different VMs on it. And I've got three of those hypervisors, hosts with hypervisors, and all of them are running. Each of those VMs has an instance of Kubernetes in it. And they're just like, you know, I've got five Kubernetes instances across these three VMs. Everything's fine. But if I was using Nestybox, perhaps my utilization could be even higher because I wouldn't have the overhead of VMs. I would have the overhead of, of Nestybox. Just a container, correct. Just a container, exactly. And that's a very thin overhead compared to a, to a virtual machine because there's no guest OS, there's no copies of the guest on, on, on each machine, and there's no virtual, there's no hardware emulation in software. There's no virtual hardware. Yes, I think you got it. That's the idea, right? I like to think of it as, hey, you know, whatever I have a VM, I can now use one of these containers as an alternative to replace it. I'm not saying, by the way, that we can replace VMs in all scenarios, right? VMs have a couple of advantages that I can think of. One of them is if you want to run, you know, different operating systems on the same machine, you still need a virtual machine. Like a container would not do that, right? You know, these containers that we're developing are Linux only, and so the underlying host has to be Linux, and whatever is running the container is, is all Linux. So that's one advantage of, of VMs, right? The ability to run multiple different operating systems. And the other one right now, at least, is that VMs can be argued to have a stronger isolation than what are 
one of these containers does. So even though the containers we're developing are more secure than a regular Docker container, compared to VMs, one can argue that VMs are still offer a, a higher level of isolation, right? Because they carry a copy of the guest operating system, the interface between the VM and the hypervisor is at the virtual hardware level, and that's a harder interface to break in than with containers, right? Which share the underlying operating system, and the interface between the container and the operating system is at the, at the Linux system call level, and that's a wider sort of attack surface. So that so if you have a multi-tenant environment where you really need very, very strong isolation, you know, between all the different tenants, VMs are probably the way to go right now. Where these containers are, where the containers we're developing are, are, are more advantageous are in scenarios where you don't need that such a strong multi-tenant isolation, and you really don't have a need to run to you know multiple operating systems because your all your stack is Linux. In that case, we're offering a very compelling alternative to a virtual machine. So, so one that is much more efficient, easier to provision, you know, and faster to provision, and it's more portable, right? It can really go across clouds more easily than, than what a VM can do. Why hasn't this been done before? You know, that's a good question. To be fair, it has a couple of companies have been working on something like this before. There's a company called Virtuoso, which has the concept of containers that act like virtual machines. And there's another company called Can well, Canonical themselves, the makers of Ubuntu, have a product called LXD, which also has this, the concept of containers that act like virtual machines. So the idea of containers that act like virtual machines is not new. I've been around for, for many years. Having said that, Nestybox to the best of our knowledge, is the first to have in, to enable Docker and Kubernetes to deploy containers that act like virtual machines. Both of these other tools that I mentioned are not compatible with Docker and Kubernetes, meaning that they are different tool sets, they have different image formats. And I think what Nestybox is doing is by enabling Docker and Kubernetes to deploy these VM-like containers, mm -hmm. I think is really in a good position to to really enhance the, the usage of this type of, of container. It allows users to leverage the Docker and Kubernetes ecosystem. Is Nestybox open source? The product that we developed, Sysbox, is open source. We are using what is called an open core model, where we have an open source version that is free and available. The, on our GitHub repo. So you can look for Sysbox on the GitHub repo and you'll find it there. And we have we, we have an enterprise version of the product in which we layer on top of the open source a set of closed source proprietary features meant primarily for enterprise use cases. These are features around enhanced security, enhanced efficiency, more robust testing, Nestybox support, and that's what, what we're selling in the enterprise version of the product. So Sysbox is the container runtime. Nestybox is the enterprise product. Nestybox is the company. Sysbox is our first product. And it has an open source version, which we call Sysbox Community Edition. And it has an enterprise version, which is the Sysbox 
Enterprise Edition. The Community Edition is open source and freely available on GitHub. The Enterprise Edition is uses the open source, but layers on top of it, closed source proprietary features. You can use it. There's a, a 30-day free trial to use it. And after that, we ask we ask enterprises to contact us. Uh, so if they if they wish to purchase it. So we've talked about the Kubernetes in Docker example. What about the Docker in Docker use case? Yeah, that also has a similar. There are a couple of primary use cases that I've seen to date uh, for that. One of them is again in testing and CI/CD, right? Where people have the need as part of their CI/CD pipeline. See, let me back up a little bit. CI/CD pipelines or or testing environments often use containers as, a, as the unit of the job execution, right? So the job itself is sort of packaged into a container. But it is often the case that as part of that job, people want to either build containers or also run Docker containers. And so you, you end up with this Docker in Docker paradigm, you know? And up to now, people have had to resort to these very insecure privileged containers plus some hacky things in order to make that work. With Nestybox, that goes away, right? Uh, you can now deploy a container that will seamlessly run Docker inside with proper isolation. So the testing and CDCD is one example use case. But we're also seeing people that want to use Docker containers as lightweight development environments, as opposed to resorting to a virtual machine. So we have a couple of customers, for example, that have said, hey, you know, I used to have VMs, which I would give to, to each, of our, each of our developers, but I wish to replace those virtual machines with this type of container because it will be a much more efficient way of doing it. Now, in this type of container, my developer is going to want to use it just like if it was a virtual machine. And most likely, he's going to want to use Docker inside of that container, right? Because there's developers that are working with cloud native applications. So that's an example, again, of the Docker and Docker paradigm, right? The outer Docker serves as a virtual host environment, and that's created with Sysbox. And then the inner Docker is just the Docker that the developer is using to deploy his or her applications. What other use cases are there for Sysbox? Yes. So we've talked about testing CICD. We've talked about the development environment. There's also a use case around legacy applications. As you know, enterprises have a mix now of cloud native applications and, and still some older applications that are sort of monolithic and are were designed to work either on metal servers or on virtual machines. Sysbox, by virtue of, of being capable of creating containers that act like virtual machines in many ways, is now capable of running many of these legacy applications, these monolithic legacy applications. And that's very useful because it allows enterprises to migrate their legacy applications into cloud-native frameworks, container-based cloud-native frameworks, without the need of having to break apart that application into microservices. In other words, if you have an application that is currently running in a virtual machine, there's a high likelihood that it will run on one of these type of containers generated with Docker plus Sysbox or Kubernetes plus Sysbox. And again, that allows you to then 
bring that application to your cloud native frameworks without having to, to re-architect it. So, the, so legacy apps is, is an important uh, use case. Now, I think as the technology matures though, right? And going back to what we said earlier, people are gonna start thinking of it no longer just as a testing tool or, or even for legacy apps, but more of a, hey, you know, can I use this to replace my, v, my VMware on-premise, for example? right because it gives users a more efficient alternatives as i mentioned there are some trade-offs with virtual machines but we are giving users a container-based alternative to, to to a vm so i think as the technology matures people are going to want to say okay maybe i can replace my VMware on premise with with a combination of linux kubernetes as the orchestrator docker in there and sysbox as the container runtime that would enable these containers tell me about building sysbox about build, how, how does it work under the, under the covers? Yes. Okay, yeah. It works by using what, you know, OS level virtualization. And what that means is basically a way of creating a container in which you fool the processes inside of the container to think that they have their own operating system, when in reality, they're actually sharing an operating system, right? And the way, you know, compared to a regular Docker container, Sysbox really does quite a bit more inside of the container. It creates a more, an augmented abstraction of a container, something that re a lot resembles a lot more what, what a bare metal server or a VM would look like to the processes inside of the container. As I mentioned, ideally, they wouldn't be able to tell the difference as to whether they're running in one of these containers that Sysbox creates or a VM or a physical server. Now, in order for Sysbox to do this, it uses advanced OS virtualization techniques made possible through very recent changes in the Linux kernel itself. So we're leveraging features that just showed up in the 5.0 kernel. And at a high level, these are features, for example, such as some level of trapping syscalls. You know, we do some very limited trapping of syscalls in particular, syscalls that are in control path operations that we need to do in order to augment the abstraction of the container, as I mentioned earlier. I want to say here that, in general, for data path operations, we try to stay away from, from that because one of the features of Sysbox is that it allows workloads to run with same performance as if they would run on a regular Docker container, which means almost bare metal performance. So again, we do some SQL trapping, but only on limited control path operations and not on data path operations. And therefore, we, we don't affect the performance of the container. We also do things like partially virtualizing part of the uh, procFS and sysfs file system. You know, for those people that, are, that know Linux well, there's this slash proc and slash sys file system that contain a bunch of resources that the kernel exposes to, to processes in user space. And when you're inside of a container, those file systems are really not exposed as completely as they are when you're inside of a VM or inside of a bare metal server. The Sysbox augments that, you know, those file systems so that they can really expose a lot of more resources. And Sysbox handles, you know, the fact that for each container, it presents sort of a, a different, you know, the resources are sort of namespaced for each of the system containers that get deployed on the system, and Sysbox handles, you know, all of that namespacing. So those are just a couple of techniques that we're using in Sysbox 
in order to augment the abstraction of the container, enabling it to run these system-level workloads that I mentioned. What are some of the benefits of Sysbox that we haven't covered? Well, I think we've covered the main ones, right? Which is enhanced security of a Docker container. So even if you don't care about running things like Docker Kubernetes inside of a container, Sysbox already gives you a more secure container than your regular Docker container. Okay, So that's one thing. Number two is the ability to run all of these other workloads that would run in virtual machines seamlessly and with proper isolation. And then, you know, as an alternative to virtual machines where you're really using, you know, the like we talked about the efficiency of the container, its portability, the how quickly it provisions. It's really infrastructure as code, right? Because the Docker image is, you know, the template for the container. And of course, Sysbox being compatible with Docker and Kubernetes, you know, really leverages that entire ecosystem of tools. You know, for your audience that hasn't used Sysbox before, launching a, one of these containers is as simple with Docker, for example, it's as simple as a Docker run, passing a little flag to Docker, telling him to use Sysbox, and then any container image of your choice. And that's it. At that point, you get a, a container that can now run, uh, that is more secure and can now run any type of workloads that would typically run in a virtual machine. What's the project uh, process of onboarding with Sysbox? Like, how would I get my application running in it? Oh, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, you just go to our website or to the GitHub, download the binary for Sysbox, you know, install it on your Linux machine. It installs it in a few seconds. And after that, the only thing you need to do is Docker run, pass a little flag to Docker indicating that you want to use Sysbox as a container runtime and then use any image of your choice. That image can now, as I mentioned, can include things like Docker systemd, Kubernetes, and, and more, and they will run seamlessly inside of the container and without any use of privileged containers, without any hacks around container entry points, none of that, all of that kind of goes away. So it's a very quick time to value, like I call it, right? It's a very quick time to value for Sysbox. Now, once you get familiar with it, then you you know you want to start creating your Docker images that start leveraging the power of the underlying runtime, right? And those are Docker images that, depending on your use case, will include now this more complex, this other software that I mentioned above, right? It will, it will not just be necessarily a single microservice, but you can now create more of a VM-like environment inside of the container. You can include systemd, SSH, you know, multiple services. You can add Docker in there. All of that through a, through a regular Docker file. Right. And by the way, the instructions in the Docker file to install of those software that I just mentioned is the exact same way that you would install that type of software in a VM or in a uh, or, or in a bare metal machine. In other words, the power of the solution is that the underlying runtime is taking care of creating a container in such a way that you can run this workload seamlessly. And what that gives to the users, it gives them plenty of simplicity because they no longer have to do anything special for the container, right? They just get to use the software just as if it were a, a VM or a physical machine. What's your vision for the future of Nestybox? That's a good question. And that's, you know, we're an early company. We were created in early 2019, and we've been working on this for a year and a half plus. We just open sourced the project last month. 
And you know, things are moving, right? I mentioned all of the different use cases that, that we have around. At a high level, my vision, the vision of the founders, by the way, uh, my, my founder is Rodney Molina and myself were sort of the, the two persons driving the direction of the company. Mm-hmm. At a high level, our vision was one of, you know, enabling, enhancing container technology so that it can beyond just the deployment of application microservices. We know that they're very good at that, right? They've completely disrupted and improved the deployment of applications. But we felt that containers were not being used to their full potential. That they have a, by enhancing containers, you can create all of these other new use cases for them. And in fact, disrupt and improve the deployment of virtual infrastructure. And by that, I mean virtual hosts, virtual networks, virtual storage, the type of thing that currently gets deployed in virtual machines with hypervisors. We felt that container technology has the potential to go and disrupt all of that and improve it. And I think Sysbox is sort of the first step in that direction. We feel that Sysbox is a catalyst to enable a bunch of new use cases around containers and that this will open, again, the possibility to develop even more tools around now the, the use cases that we are enabling for containers. So the overall vision at a high level is expand the use cases for containers, in particular towards disrupting the deployment of virtual infrastructure, but not necessarily, right? Just expand the use cases for containers across the spectrum. And like I said, CICD has, is, a, is a typical use case, dev environments, replacing virtual machines. Maybe in the future, they, we can provision these type of containers on the cloud. So these are things that we're thinking currently about. It's a big vision. How is the Kubernetes community reacting to it? Well, I think, you know, I haven't, we haven't gotten much feedback yet because we just open source the product. When we were developing the product and it was closed source, you know, we were just with my co-founder working on the code and all that stuff. No one pretty much knew about it. So, and, and I think the few people in the Kubernetes community that knew about it did not react too well to the fact that it was closed source, right? So. Once we decided to open source, we've gotten more favorable response. Although, you know, one of the challenges that we have with Nestybox and Sysbox is trying to get the word out. You know, hey, you know, it's out there, it's a powerful tool. And so from the few people that have in, in the Kubernetes community that have talked to us, in general, they seem very receptive to idea of a container runtime that can now enable containers to do more things that they traditionally can do. And in particular, that it can improve the security of containers. Again, I think we are giving the Kubernetes and other communities a tool to enhance the use cases around containers. Right? Not, we're partners to them. Right? We're not competing with them in any way, and they're partners to us. We're not trying to replace Kubernetes or Docker at all. We're just giving these tools a more powerful container, and in doing so, enabling more use cases for these tools. Kubernetes, for example, was developed to deploy and orchestrate application containers. But these type of containers that we're creating can now deploy VM-like containers with proper security. That means that now Kubernetes can become an orchestrator of VM-like containers. And those type of containers have a different set of properties that application containers do, right? we'll work with the Kubernetes community to see if this is a direction that 
that we can help to expand Kubernetes into. In a way, Kubernetes could be replacing what the hypervisor does, right? The hypervisors have an orchestrator also to orchestrate VMs across multiple physical servers, for example. Maybe Kubernetes now can, we can help Kubernetes move in that direction also. We think that Kubernetes is a much more powerful alternative than what any hypervisor can do in this regard. Do you imagine data center operators picking up Sysbox and using it to, you know, like these these uh, kinds of places that that run, like Amazon. Amazon has to run, <laughs> you know, ECS and you know all these different containerized runtimes. AWS Lambda. I mean, I guess they have Firecracker. I guess a, a reasonable question would be why? Uh, how does Nestybox compare to? Yeah. Or sorry, Sysbox compared to Firecracker. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, the main difference being that Firecracker is really a, a VM underneath, right? And it's sort of a VM that has been optimized to run container workloads. So it's very lightweight and, and fairly fast to boot. Still a VM, so it's still tied to a hypervisor, still does a guest OS, right? Although it closes the gap as far as efficiencies between VMs and containers, right? We're sort of, you know, uh, Sysbox still all, you know, pure OS virtualization. There's no VM in the picture, which means there's no dependency on hypervisor, there's no guest OS, there's no virtual hardware, as I mentioned before. So I still, Sysbox still something that is more efficient than say that, than Firecracker. But I think to the gist of your question is, you know, would you see, you know, cloud operators, for example, going to Sysbox as a way of splitting their physical servers into multiple virtual host environments on top of which they can run now these other container workloads. And I think the technology is right, right now is not there because the isolation requirements in, you know, those clouds are multi-tenant environments and the isolation requirements right now make it so that, you know, you have to have very strong isolation between the tenants. And I think that's where VMs currently are probably best to create that type of isolation. As the technology matures though, as container technology matures, as well as the Linux kernel matures its implementation of namespaces to further isolate processes in different containers or namespaces at the kernel level, I think that security gap is, gap is gonna start closing also, right? And I think at some point, there may be a point in the future where people say, yeah, I don't necessarily need a VM, I can do just with the, with the containers. In the meantime, you know, until we until we get there. I do think that people that have on-prem environments, for example, where they're deploying VMs, at that, you know, in that case, they're a single tenant, really, right? And for those type of people, the IT operators in those type of environments could then look at these containers as, an, as a valid alternative to VMs because for them, the isolation is important, but they don't necessarily need probably a VM-like isolation. They could do with the isolation of the type of containers that I just described. And they're gonna get all of the efficiencies and agility and portability of the, of the container. One of the things that I'm excited about when I, you know, that I like about these containers, as I mentioned earlier, is that they're very portable, right? You know, when I deploy a VM on Amazon, it's stuck on Amazon, right, on AWS. If I deploy a VM on Google, it's stuck on Google, on GKE. If I deploy a VM on VMware on-premise, it's sort of stuck to, to VMware at that point. And I think these type of containers, use, they, act, they run many of the same workloads, but are much more portable than VMs, right? They really can run 
whatever Linux is running. So I can run them on my laptop, in my Linux laptop, or I can run it on my test server on-prem, or I can then run it on a VM in the cloud as long as that VM is running Linux. Right? It's, very, it's a very portable thing. And by the way, they're a great fit for the Edge also. As you know, in Edge environments or IoT, these are hardware constrained environments, right? You know, with machines that are not as powerful as the machines that you have in your centralized data server, data centers. And therefore, this type of container is probably a better fit to run in those environments than say VMs, you know, which are more resource hungry. So I hope that answers the question as to, like I said, in the near future, I don't yet see these type of containers replacing VMs in containers where you need very strong multi-tenancy or where you need to run a mix of OS, OSs, but I do see them over time as the isolation increases, possibly playing the role. And in the meantime, I do see them being used in single tenant environments. What else should we explore about Sysbox? One of the you know, nifty features that it has is that by virtue of using a Docker image, you know, as the template, as opposed to a VM, which uses some sort of VM image, right? It could be an Amazon image or a VMware image, but it's a VM image. These containers use a Docker image, and a Docker image in many ways is, is easier to deal with and, and, and more powerful and easier to, to create via the Docker file. So that's, I think, a, an, an advantage in general, the fact that we use Docker as the, as, as the template for, for these containers. But we also, for example, Sysbox also allows you to, inside of these system containers, you know, you may typically run, as I mentioned before, systemd, Docker, and maybe Kubernetes. And if you're running Docker and Kubernetes inside of one of these containers, then you're going to want to have inner containers inside of them, right? One of the nifty features that Sysbox has, it allows you to create the outer container, the system container. You can create an image that comes sort of preloaded with the inner pods or inner container images of your choice. So that when you deploy that outer container and then you're running Docker inside of it, Docker no longer needs to pull from the network those inner container images. They can sort of baked in to the outer container, right? So that's, in other words, it's very helpful in particular if you are in sort of air-gapped environments, you know, but even without air-gapped environments, it's very useful because it, it saves you a lot of time downloading images from, from the network, right? You just download once, create your outer image, and then deploy that, and you don't no longer have to download, download the inner images. And then, of course, the speed of provisioning, right? You know, it is so fast, the provisioning. For example, I can deploy on my laptop, my laptop, which is not too powerful. You know, it has four CPUs and 16 gigs of, of RAM. On that laptop, I can provision a 10-node Kubernetes cluster using these containers in under two minutes. And as I mentioned, you know, all of these containers are properly isolated and they run Kubernetes seamlessly. In it. So it's very powerful that way. If I were to use VMs to do the same, I don't think I could not deploy. So, you know, I could probably run at most two to three VMs on this laptop, you know, without them consuming all my entire CPU. So you see opportunities for client-side containerization, a lot more client-side containerization. Yeah, for developers that, that, have, that have that need to do local testing, for example, is a very good thing. But as I mentioned, it's not just for local testing, it's also for CICD pipelines, right? Now, another thing that we have in mind and my co-founder is, is really fond of, of this idea is, you know, 
could this type of container be used to give developers sort of a development environment, right? Or, or users in general, a desktop-like environment, a virtual desktop-like environment that is really entirely inside of a container. And by virtue of being entirely inside of the container, it can then move easily across machines. So for example, if I were to, you know, I have my laptop and I have my whole development environment set up right here. Let's say I buy a new laptop, right? You know, or I rent a VM from the cloud, right? Could I use one of these containers to provision that environment, you know, in seconds, as opposed to me having to reconfigure that new machine, right? I think that's a very powerful use case too. And it doesn't just apply to software engineers, it applies to users in general, right? The capturing of an entire user space environment inside of a container and the ability to deploy that on any new machine in seconds, you know, and there's your environment, just like you left it. I mean, I think that's super powerful too. All right. Well, that sounds like a great place to close off. Caesar, thanks for coming on the show. It's been great talking. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate all of the insightful questions and thank you for the invitation. You know, we're here anytime.